Building a business is hard. Maintaining healthy relationships with those that you care about is hard. Staying fit and healthy in your body, your mind, and your emotions is hard. This podcast is about finding and sharing tools, strategies, and experiences that may help you to achieve and maintain moderate success in your life, whatever that means to you. There is a ton of content created by the billionaires, the ultra-successful athletes, and by people that are at a level that the vast majority of us will just never get to. And if you're anything like me, I'm totally okay with that. This is a place where we talk about how to build a great business, but not necessarily a massive one. A place to talk about how we build a life that is balanced and integrated, but not necessarily optimized to levels that are not realistic for most of us. In short, it's a place where we explore how to be moderately successful. The work will always remain yours, and for the most part, it's simple, but not easy. I want to challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. I want to challenge you to take whatever resonates with you from this episode and to teach it to somebody that you think will benefit from it, and to do so in the next 24 hours. This will embed the learnings for yourself, and you'll be helping someone else as well as the podcast. Lastly, please share this with whoever you think needs to have this in their lives. The more reach we can get, the more impact we can have. With that said, let's get into it. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. So today, I want to talk about such a massive subject, and I'm <laughs> I'm going to be able to scratch the surface on this and just share my own experience. But when we speak about success in business, in families, in life, in everything, for me, it's it kind of almost comes down to mindset and one's mental state. But that is an incredibly broad topic. And in my experience, mindset and mental state is the result of healthy physical bodies and exercise and diet and meditation and relationships and all of these things. It's it's kind of how you, how I know I'm doing things right. There's an amazing thing that I read once, which was mood follows action. I think it was from Rich Roll, not action follows mood. So for me, and in my experience, a lot of us are sort of pre-wired to think that when we feel great, that's when we'll go and do the right exercise and the right actions and do all the healthy things. But when we're feeling bad, well, then we just kind of wait for ourselves to feel great. But actually, the actions that we take and the things that we do that's what results in the shift in mindset, at least in my experience. So today, I want to share a bunch of things. I think there's about six things that I want to go through that have helped me over the years and quite recently shift my mindset when it needs to be shifted. Because, you know, I think to be successful, we need to be able to create a sustainable pace that we can go at for a long time, rather than have these massive heroics that burn us out and ultimately cause failure of one kind or another. So, the first one is actually one that I've, I've I've really cemented recently. And originally, the concept from my sort of research and reading comes from James Clear. It's known as habit stacking. But there's quite a specific one that I want to share. And I recently read it in a book called Effortless by James McEwen, which is fantastic. So habit stacking is, is basically a simple concept when you say, when I do X, I will do Y. So it's generally creating one sort of easy habit or nice habit with one difficult or, or not so nice habit. So this particular one is really very powerful. And it's basically when I complain, I will think of something that I'm grateful for. And there's so much power to that because what you're doing, if you can actually practice this, is you're bringing a deep level of awareness to a non-acceptance of something that's going on. So it might be complaining about a person or a financial situation or a business reality or a client or something. 
And most of us just kind of get caught in a loop of complaining, which is not very effective and it actually makes us feel worse. But if we can catch ourselves and when we complain, we automatically look for something that I'm grateful for. So we might go, when I complain about uh, cash flow in business, I will immediately think of something I'm grateful for. What happens in our brain is something quite amazing. We, If we shift it from when I complain about cash flow, I will think about something I'm grateful for. So we might sort of have this process where we find ourselves complaining about cash flow and then immediately we think of my daughter who's healthy or that we actually have more than we need right now or we've got this client coming in and that's amazing or we're going to have a great quarter or whatever it is. We shift the entire process from negative and complaining to positive and constructive. And actually what happens if you do this for a while is you begin to catch yourself sooner and then after a little bit longer, you actually begin to catch yourself before you even start complaining. You begin to catch yourself when you think about complaining and you immediately just get straight into a state of gratitude. And, you know, there's any number of cliches around gratitude, but it's it's pretty clear to me that when we focus on what we've got, we have enough. When we focus on what we don't have, we feel all the gaps and, and we feel this massive sense of of emptiness. Now, again, it's not realistic, I don't think, to practice this all the time. But if we can catch ourselves just a few times every now and then and build on it all the time, when I complain, I will think of something that I'm grateful for. If you don't like the word gratitude, a lot of people don't like that word. We might say, when I complain, I will think of something good or something that I am fortunate about or with. So that's the first one. And I think that can be very powerful and transformative. The next one is similar and and kind of going deeper is to get very, very present when you are feeling very stressed or anxious or down or or whatever it is. And what I mean by this is that if we think right now, in this moment here, right now, not five minutes ago, not five years ago, not five minutes from now, not what we think is going to happen in the future, but right now in this moment, chances are you're actually okay. So if you're suffering some financial stress right now in this moment, you're probably fine. Chances are you're probably worrying or catastrophizing about the future. If you are very upset about some relational type thing, a fight that you had with someone or somebody wronged you or whatever the case may be, chances are right now in this moment, you're actually fine. And for me, this comes from Eckhart Tolle's teachings, which I've been reading since I was 16. And I I just kind of never stop reading and listening to his stuff. It's just the best for me. But he teaches a kind of a concept, if you will, that all suffering comes from the resistance of what is, not from the actual thing that's going on. So we don't suffer from the thing that has happened. We suffer from the non-acceptance of the thing that has happened. So we get caught up in trying to change the reality, whether it's emotional, personal, financial, whatever it is. We, We try to change what is. But if we can shift our focus to deeply accepting what is right now in this moment, Again, quite an amazing thing happens, at least in my experience. And when I can get to that state, which I've been practicing for years and years and years, and I still struggle with, but when I can, interestingly, that's when things begin to usually get better. That's when I'm more creative, more open to sort of being able to solve the problem. And it really comes from this question that I ask myself when I'm stressed, which is right now, in this moment, am I okay? And the answer is always yes, if I can really get very, very present. So that's the second thing. The third thing is meditation. But the reason why I'm saying meditation here is possibly not the same way that a lot of people will talk about meditation. So, you know, there's now tons of science and data on sort of objectively just just straight up fact that meditation is good for people, right? And I'm not going to try and make the case for meditation. 
But what I found with meditation is maybe a bit odd. And that is that when I'm feeling really stressed or really down or, or not in a good place, actually, when I meditate, it doesn't help. It actually makes me feel worse, but I do it anyway. Because what I found is that if I meditate consistently, and for me, it's, it's actually, I, I need long bouts of meditation as much as I struggle with it. But if I can meditate for 20 minutes a day, what happens is I almost kind of build a muscle of resilience and I almost build like a muscle of what meditation does. So for me, it's actually not a great fix when I'm feeling really down or really stressed or anxious or whatever the case may be. I do it anyway, but often I feel worse when I'm in meditation, when I'm having a hard time. But if I can keep it up, especially when I'm not having a hard time, when I'm in a good place, when I'm in a positive frame of mind, I kind of build this muscle of resilience and this muscle of awareness and this muscle of things don't affect me as much as they normally would. So meditation, I don't believe, or from my experience, should be used as a treatment to these things, but rather as something that's kind of at the foundation. And it really makes a massive difference for me. If I meditate for five minutes a day, it's I mean, it's good. But that 20-minute mark for me, which is incredibly hard for me, I'm very ADD and easily distracted, etc. For me to sit for 20 minutes in meditation is incredibly difficult, but it has amazing effects on me and the people around me when I do it. And I almost think of meditation as something that I do for the people around me, not for me, because, <laughs> because when I don't do it, I'm just not that great to be around. When I do do it, and when I do exercise, I'm a much better person to be around. So it's for my, my family and my friends and the people that I work with. So that's meditation. Number four is most of us have got some form of a to-do list system, whether we use a Kanban board or just lists or whatever that, whatever, whatever we use. And I'm not going to try and tell you how to create your to-do list system. I've got a pretty specific system that works quite well for me. But something I've been doing recently, which I think comes from a book called 4,000 Weeks, is most of us, if we have a to-do list system, it's kind of like some form of to-do, doing, and done. And we sort of move things through that process. Even if we don't specifically use Kanban, we kind of default to that, that, that sort of process of having a whole backlog of things we need to do, the things we're busy doing, and then the things that are done. And that's cool. That actually works very well. And, and there is there is definitely value in, in a lot of that stuff. But something that I read in this book, which has really changed a lot of my perception of the value and, let's say, productivity that I'm having in a day is I would only ever put things on my done list that I had dragged across from to do and then doing. So the only things that you would find on my completed list, my done list, were the things that started off on to do, then moved into doing, and then I moved over to done. And it feels really great. There's a dopamine release when you drag those things over. But what this book sort of suggested is try and put things on your done list that you just sort of do throughout your day that don't necessarily constitute a task or a to-do or a story or an epic if you're in product development. For example, you might have a really good conversation with someone that just happens. Put that down there because that's massively valuable. You might have a thought. You might solve a problem while you're in the shower. Put that on there. You might just do some work on something random that actually got you into a state of flow and it was really good. Put that on there. And at the end of the day, you don't just end up with the things that you set out to say, to do, doing, done, but you actually end up and you look at your list and you go, wow, I actually did a lot of stuff today. I had a lot of good conversations. I really added a lot of value. I moved this problem in my life forward 10%. And it shifted my... It shifted my perception of the value that I'm creating in the world every day outside of just the very important focused tasks that link back to OKRs and that sort of stuff. And it's been a massive change in my own perception of the value that I'm putting out every day. So 
really the, the the message there is, you know, use whatever to-do list system you have. I'm not going to try and tell you how to change that. I've got some great systems that I actually might do an episode on. But for now, what I'm saying is as you go through your day and as you do things that are valuable or enjoyable or that help somebody or yourself, just stick them down on your done list. And then at the end of your day, go and look at all the things that you did. And you might actually feel quite a boost in your perception of the value that you put out in a day. Next one is spend time getting clear on the things and the people that you will say no to. This is difficult. This is not something that I have mastered at all. But in terms of a, of a mindset, if we can do the work up front and think about up front what we're happy saying no to and who we're happy saying no to, in the moment, from a mindset perspective, it can be quite liberating and a lot less stressful to have done the work up front so that you don't have to make these big decisions all the time. I won't go into huge detail about this, but really on a monthly cycle or a quarterly cycle, it can be very useful to just go, what are the things that we're going to say no to or that I'm going to say no to over the next short period? It's quite difficult to do this from like a in my life perspective, but over the next week or over the next month or over the next quarter, it's a little bit easier. So just ask that question. What are the things and who are the people that I'm going to say no to over the next short while. Spend the time upfront for an hour thinking about that. You might find your life getting a lot easier in the moment when these things and these people crop up that you've actually decided you're not going to allow to distract you or put you off course or whatever the case may be. So that's that one. And the last one that I want to share is get very good at setting ranges. So, so what I mean by ranges is a minimum and a maximum for a thing, a larger thing that you want to get done. So a very good example for this is, I mean, I'm not an author and I haven't written a book, but I'm going to use that as an example because everyone, I think, can relate to that, even if it's just sort of cerebrally. But instead of saying, I'm going to write a book, what can be very useful, and again, I haven't written a book, but I'm using this as an analogy for other things that I've done, is to say, every single day, I am going to open my laptop and I'm going to open the page that I'm going to write my book on. That's the minimum thing that I'm going to do. Every single day, I'm going to open the laptop, open the program, open the page for my book, for my manuscript. But what's equally important is the maximum. And the maximum, you might say, the maximum that I'm ever going to do in one session or on one day is a thousand words. So even if I'm feeling really good, even if I'm in a state of flow, and this is where it gets weird and this is where it gets difficult, I'm going to stop at a maximum of a thousand words. So every single day, I will at a minimum open my laptop, open the program, open the page where my manuscript is. And at a maximum, even if I'm feeling good, even if I'm in a state of flow, at a thousand words, I will stop. And there's a lot of value in this because it does two things. One, it keeps the joy and it allows you to stop when you're in flow and look forward to the next time. And two, it builds the muscle of just automatically going and starting the process without the huge amount of willpower and effort knowing that you have to sit down for an hour and write. All you have to do is get to your laptop, open it, sit down, open the laptop, open the program, open the manuscript. That's it. That's all you have to do. And then if you do get into it, the maximum you do is a thousand words. It kind of brings the joy back into these things and it, it makes insurmountable tasks much, much smaller. But I think more importantly, you don't sort of burn yourself out on days when you really hit like a massive amount of flow. And Greg McEwen's most recent book, I think it's his most recent book, Effortless, that I mentioned, 
it really reminded me about this and, and he, he really spins it in a really, really nice and, and easy to understand format where he sort of says, don't do anything in a day that you can't recover from in one day. And it's a really interesting thought. And this is a great example of it. So even though you might have it in you to write 10,000 words in a day, don't do it if you're going to wake up every day and follow the process. So those are six little things. I mean, there are many, many more, but I think, you know, in, in my world, mindset and these sort of things and mental health, you know, they, they don't really mean much to me until there's practical things that I can actually do. And I always look for things that I can actually do and teach other people because that's how I learn. And these are some of those things that actually make quite a significant impact to me if I practice them and if I sort of keep my awareness on there. So hopefully there was something useful in this. And if there was, please share this with your friends and family and colleagues. That's how it is worthwhile for me if I know that this is reaching lots of people. So if there's anything of value, please share on LinkedIn or socials, wherever you share your things and reach out to me if you want to chat about any of the stuff. Otherwise, I will see you back here soon for the next one. Cheers. If you want to talk about working with me as a business improvement coach, please reach out either on mike at smbmastery.com.au or you can find me on LinkedIn. Please do share this podcast with whoever you think will get value from it. And if you have five minutes, please do give us a rating and review. They really do help with making the podcast visible. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening and I'll be back soon with the next episode.